Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dear Fellow Black Single Mom. I am your host, Cass, and this is episode nine, y'all. Like, thank you so much for rocking with me this long. If it's your first time, welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate all of the support. I appreciate all of the new Instagram followers. And I promise, I'm sorry, y'all, but I do promise this week to get some content up there and to be more consistent with that. So again, thank you all for your support. I'm really excited about this episode because this is part two of what I was talking about before. In the last episode, I was really talking about my abusive relationship and what made it abusive as well as the red flags that I overlooked and the red flags that just got worse, honestly, as my relationship progressed and getting to a point where I finally recognized that my relationship was abusive and that my son's father was abusive and that he wasn't going to change and finally getting to a point where I was fed up and I was ready to leave, but also not having the strength to actually leave and praying to God and God getting me out of that situation and so we are basically going to pick up from there and so we broke up and like I mentioned in the last episode we broke up because I wouldn't give him $40 to buy weed but honestly like I was so thankful even though it was a ridiculous reason to break up I was thankful because like I explained I didn't have the energy the strength the willpower to actually leave that relationship, even though I knew at that point that it was not good for me, it was not healthy, and that it was not going to get healthy. And at this time, it was October, early October, and my ex was still living with my family and I. And even though we had broken up, it was still like we hadn't broken up because we were still arguing. He was still continuing the abusive behavior. So I was trying to find ways to set up boundaries so that I could protect myself while having to be around him and while having to live with him because I still wanted I wanted to change my life really is what it was. I was like, I don't want things to keep going the way that they have been because it's been affecting me and impacting me in a really negative way. And I don't like how I feel about myself right now. I don't like how I feel about life. I was, my self-esteem was really low and there was a lot of healing that I needed to do, but I was like, I don't really see how it's going to happen if I have to see this man every day. And if I still have to interact with him to some level every day, I really don't know how it's going to happen. But I tried my best to figure out like what were some boundaries that I could draw. So the first thing that I did was take back my car. I took my keys and I basically told him like, you know, you can't use my car anymore. And as expected, he was not happy about it. He got very upset and, you know, had his tantrum and was, you know, just saying things that weren't very nice but I was like you know I'm not changing my mind and I'm not backing down and even though that was like a small step in comparison to what would happen later on 
it was so empowering to me and it felt so good to be able to take back my car especially my car because that was something that it felt like it had become his car because he literally would use it all the time didn't put gas in the car but he would use it all the time and that was something that I was like I want my car to be there even if I'm not using it it doesn't mean that you can use it and he didn't really understand that so I finally you know stood up and was like, you know what, I'm going to take my car back from him. I also uh, got a new debit card and I told him he was not allowed to use my debit card or take money from me whatsoever. And I started to like just be more aware of where I put my debit card and like making sure that he wasn't um, aware of where it was because beforehand I really didn't pay that much attention because I didn't think that I had to. I didn't think that he would steal from me. So I was trying to find different ways to set up boundaries for myself. And even though I was doing that, things were still really tense. It was awkward to be around him. And so I asked him, like, when was he planning on leaving? And he got really tense when I asked this question. But he was like, I need more time, probably until December. And in my mind, I was just thinking, like, I really hope that he's not here until December because I don't know if I can last that long. And I did feel, I still felt bad because I'm like, at this time, he didn't really have, according to him, he didn't have anywhere to go. So this was really the only place that he had. And even though I didn't have to be compassionate, I didn't have to sympathize with him, I didn't have to do anything I honestly could have kicked him out I could have forced him to leave I didn't feel that I could and so that shows the degree of like how much power I still didn't see that I had how much power I felt like I had lost because there were so many options that I couldn't see at that point that I did have because I had been in such a toxic environment for such a long time and so even though now I'm like well you could have told him to leave that same day that you guys broke up I didn't because I still didn't fully you know I still had a lot of work to do essentially um, internally and things that I had to do to heal so that I could see that there really wasn't anything that he could force me to do but that's one of the things about being in a toxic and abusive relationship you get to a point where you really don't see the power that you do have and you really start to believe everything that that person is telling you about what you can and can't do and there were so many things that my son's father would tell me that I could and couldn't do. And I really believed it. You know, I got to the point where I really believed his truth, even though it wasn't the truth, but it was the truth that I had gotten accustomed to. So there was still a lot of work for me to do. And so things were just getting worse surprisingly even though I wasn't with this man anymore things were getting worse and I was just I was confused because I thought that breaking up would 
allow things to get better and it would allow me to start to get my life back but I realized like the only way that that was going to happen ultimately was if he left and was no longer living with me and my family but again I didn't see that I could do that that I didn't need somebody else to step in to make that happen but that I could actually just tell him to leave and get the police involved if need be but I didn't see those as options then so I decided I was just gonna stick it out and so one of the things that happens in abusive relationships if you stick around long enough is something called escalation and this is when abuse gets worse either suddenly or gradually and abuse and escalation can be a transition from one type of abuse to another so it can be from like emotional abuse to physical abuse for example or it can be similar types of behaviors increasing in severity so maybe the arguments are increasing or maybe the put downs are increasing or the controlling or manipulative behavior is increasing for example that's why it's really important to leave and never believe that an abuser can just change without some serious and professional intervention that lasts years because the kind of help that someone needs if you are an abuser and you want to stop being an abuser, it's not going to happen overnight. And escalation is guaranteed to happen if you stay with that person and it doesn't get better without some sort of professional intervention. So I just have to mention that more than once because I really, you know, my hope in sharing this story is because I really do want women in particular who are in this kind of situation like I want you to leave and I know that leaving the period of time where a victim decides to leave is actually the most dangerous period of time in that relationship because unfortunately like things do go wrong so it's important to come up with a plan that is safe so contacting like a domestic violence abuse hotline or a shelter or something there are resources out there so don't feel like you just have to be on your own and you got to figure out a plan on your own but do understand that staying is not going to make things better and it's not going to make the situation improve and you just you and your children deserve so so much better so I just want to say that because it is um, especially for black women like this is an issue that affects and impacts a lot of us and um I'm really passionate about just encouraging and empowering other black women to leave toxic situations. Even if you just see one red flag, like I mentioned in my last episode, like that is enough to decide that you want to walk away and to do it. You know, you don't have to stay. So um, just wanted to mention that. But ex- escalation is also dangerous because the abuser is basically showing their partner that they can use new and more damaging tactics to continue to hoard power and control in the relationship. And escalation happens usually when abusers feel like they're losing control of the relationship. 
And often this is because they feel that the independence of their partner has increased in some way or their partner will leave. And in my case, we had broken up, but I realized that I was starting to take more uh, steps to protect myself. And I think that that made my son's father very afraid. And I think he probably thought that after we broke up, early in October, I think he thought that we would probably get back together within a week or two because that had always been the cycle that I would forgive him, he'd apologize, and I say apologize loosely um, because he never really understood or really felt remorse in my opinion, but he would apologize, I'd forgive him, and we get back together. And this time around, I think he could see that I was just moving differently and that I really was disgusted with him. Like to be frank with you guys, I was. And everything that he said, everything that he did, like you could tell in my disposition that I was just tired of this man and I didn't wanna be around him. And I feel like he probably felt that energy And so that's why things were escalating. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment also to share some statistics for you guys to just sit with these numbers and like just just understand how um, how much of a problem domestic violence really is in our society, especially if you live in the U.S. But I know like just across cultures, across societies, like because we live in a patriarchal world, really, you know, like this is a big, big problem. And in the U.S., one in three women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. One in three women, y'all. Domestic violence affects 10 million people in the U.S. yearly. Honestly, I think that number is a lot higher, but this is reported. And a lot of times, unfortunately, because of our culture, because of our rape culture and just the tendency not to believe victims when they come out and they speak about their experiences with abuse, whether it is sexual violence or physical or emotional and mental violence, like a lot of women don't speak about these experiences. And I do think we also normalize this. And so that's another reason why a lot of women don't end up saying anything about these experiences. And so I definitely think that this number is a lot higher. Uh, Apparently, 40% of black women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime in comparison to 31.5% of all other women. Of the 40%, 53.8% black women experience psychological abuse, while 41.2% of black women experience physical abuse. And so just the, the number 40% of black women will experience domestic violence. And I know that I heard some of these statistics before I got into this relationship. And I never thought that I would become the one in three, that I would become part of the 40%. But it just shows like how it really can happen to anybody. And there's nothing inherently wrong with you as a woman if you find yourself in that kind of situation because it took me a very long time to stop blaming myself Um, 
I realized like it's a cycle and it's not, you know, just simply like ending up in a bad situation. Like there are layers and levels as to why we find ourselves in these kinds of abusive relationship. Uh, Black women are also 2.5 times more likely to be murdered by men than white women. Uh, 92% of women, black women who are killed, the killer knew the victim. And 56% of the 92% were killed by somebody who was either a current or former intimate partner. Which, again, just like sitting with these numbers, letting that sink in, like this is a real big issue in our community. And when I say our community, I'm talking about the black community. Um, And then this statistic or this um, comment, I wholeheartedly agree with and I want people to really sit with this. But basically, according to the black women health project domestic violence is the number one health issue facing black women let me repeat that domestic violence is the number one health issue facing black women out of all the health issues domestic violence is the number one health issue facing black women and so just let that sink in Like, this is how common it is in our community. And yeah, we don't really talk about it. It's the thing that's swept under the rug or the thing that we just, you know, we'd rather not acknowledge how, how, how many people and how many black women in particular are experiencing some form of domestic violence. And so I mention these statistics because I want people to realize that this is a really important issue and that somebody, you know, probably a black woman that, you know, has gone through or is going through domestic violence, especially with, you know, quarantine and not being able to go to work or people losing their jobs and things like that due to COVID-19, like domestic violence increased during these last couple of months. So the likelihood of somebody you know going through domestic violence right now is very, very high. And I mentioned these statistics because I want people to start having more discussions. And I want also like people who are in these situations, like I want you to leave more than anything. Like I really want, want there to just be more healthy relationships. I want there to be more healing um, because you know, that's why right now I'm not dating because I recognize like I still have wounds, even though it's been a while since I've dated my son's father. Like that was a very traumatic experience for me. And I still have some wounds that I need to heal. And so I'm committed to that journey of healing to the point that I'm like, I'm not going to date someone until I really have healed from that experience and from just any experience of abuse in general Um, because sadly that is not the only abusive relationship that I've had in my lifetime and that is something that I'll definitely talk about in later podcast episodes but you know like I want more of us to heal so that 
next time, you know, when we do have the opportunity to be in love and to be in a relationship, we won't ignore the red flags. You know, if anything, we'll run so far away because it's just not worth it. And the amount of time that it takes to heal and recover from these relationships, it's a lot. And it's like, I'd rather just be single and live my best life than have to date a bunch of people and be in abusive and toxic relationships and then have to take like years or whatever amount of time in between those relationships to recover like just you know I pray to God like just let me the next man that I'm with like just let him be my husband like I'm okay if I have to wait a couple of years I'd rather do that than date just for the sake of dating you know so now I want to talk about just my escalation event because this was an incident that happened three weeks after I had been we had been broken up and things were building during that three week period and so finally it all ended in this one event and so like I mentioned it had been three weeks since we broken up and my son's father was still living with us and we were arguing the abusive behavior was continuing and you know like I said things just felt like we were still together you know and so my son's father had mentioned going to a show with him and around this time it was October so it's typically a month where it gets cold it gets really cold like 30 degrees 40 degree weather so and plus when he told me that I was like one it's going to be really cold Two, an open mic event at night is just not a baby friendly place at all like it's loud there are people drinking like I just for me at least I was like I don't I get that you want him to be there while you're performing but I just don't think that right now is the time for that and we had just established a new routine and my son by this point he wasn't colic anymore so we had established a routine where he would be in bed by like 7 8 p.m and he was getting used to that so I was like I had a whole bunch of reasons why I didn't think it was a good idea and I was just looking at his father like why don't you see that this is not a good idea um why is it that you are so insistent about this so I told him what I thought and he kind of just ignored me the first time so I was like okay like I'm not trying to argue about this but I'm also not gonna back down because I do feel strongly about this so later on in that day he starts to get ready it's probably like 5 something p.m. in the evening and by this point too it's like late October so it's pitch black dark outside at this point in time and I'm like okay you know I don't mind if he goes by himself like he's a grown man he can go he can do whatever he wants that's fine but like my son is not going anywhere so I'm holding on to our son and he's starting to pack our son's bag and you know get clothes and things ready for him and I'm like 
you know, I repeat myself. I tell him like, I am not comfortable with this. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think it's a good time to do something like this. And I think that, you know, later on, once our son is older, like totally fine for him to go to an open mic, but he's a newborn, you know, and it's flu season. And, you know, I'm explaining, trying to explain to him why I don't think it's a good idea, why I don't think it's appropriate. And I'm doing this in a very calm and expressive way in a respectful tone. And this just sets him off. And so he he begins arguing with me, calling me out of my name, yelling. And I'm like, okay, I don't like how quickly this escalated. So I'm holding our son and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna walk away from him. So I walk away and I go upstairs and he follows me and he continues to follow me. I'm trying to get away from him. I go into our bedroom or my bedroom and he follows me into the room and I tell him to, you know, get away from me because at this point I'm just like, okay, things are escalating. I don't like the way he's talking to me. Like, and I don't feel safe. I did not feel safe. So I'm in the room and he's continuing. He's ranting. He's continuing to say really mean and nasty things. And eventually I get off the bed and I'm standing, trying to go to the door. And he like blocks my way and bumps into me purposely and then he blocks my way and he won't move and I ask him multiple times like move out of my way 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 multiple times and he won't and he just stands there like this big bully honestly trying to intimidate me and all the while like I'm holding our son in my arms as he's doing this and I'm just like please move out of my way and so he doesn't for at least a couple of minutes so finally I just call my brother and I don't let him see that I call my brother I just like dial his number and I let the phone just be on so that someone can hear what's going on because I really didn't feel safe and there was nobody else at the house at the time with us so I didn't know how things were gonna go but I was just like I don't feel safe around this man and I don't know what he's about to do so finally he moves out of my way and I go downstairs and he continues to just follow me around and finally I like yell at him to leave me alone And I keep repeating myself. And I remember I finally go upstairs and he doesn't follow me this time, but I hear a loud noise. And this probably took place over the course of like an hour, hour and a half from the moment that I told him that he wasn't going to be taking our son. And this is the reasons why. And then he went off like this all took place over the course of an hour, hour and a half. So I'm upstairs and I hear this loud noise and I'm like, what the heck happened? So I go downstairs and I see that there is a hole in the wall and in the kitchen by the fridge. And I just look at it and instantly he makes up a lie and he says, oh, I opened the fridge too hard and the door slammed into the wall and that's why there's a hole there, even though the hole looks like somebody smashed their hand into the wall. Like 
it's the perfect size for that. And I opened the fridge door and I'm like, the fridge door doesn't even reach that far back. So how could that happen? And he just kept insisting, kept insisting. And he was like, do you think your parents are going to be mad or whatever? And I'm like, I don't even answer him. I just go upstairs. And by that point, my brother comes back to the house and he sees a hole in the wall and my son's father promptly leaves because he knows like, okay, I really messed up. And at that point in time, I start thinking to myself like, this man has never done this before. He's never punched all in the wall or gotten physical in that way like he's never thrown furniture or anything during our arguments so I realized like things had gotten to a new level that they'd never gotten to before and I started to think like what if that was my face what if that was me like it could have easily been me you know if I hadn't gone upstairs like I don't know what would happen? What would have happened if I hadn't actually called my brother and he didn't come at the time that he came? Like, I don't know. And I'm glad that I didn't have to find out. But that confirmed for me that this was really an abusive relationship and that staying would have just been the worst thing that I could do and that and I do believe that eventually my ex would probably have gotten physically abusive with me because he there were a couple times I forgot to mention the last episode but there were a couple times when we were arguing where he would get in my face and get really really close to my face and like bump like bump my body and so it wasn't necessarily like punching or hitting but it was still like physical contact and he hadn't done that in the past so I definitely saw that things were escalating and that's why I spoke about escalation earlier in this episode because that is guaranteed to happen like even if your relationship starts out and it's not as toxic as you might think it is you know like things do progress and that's just the nature of abusive relationship it's something that doesn't change and so don't wait for your relationship to escalate like leave and even though I had left because I was still living with him that's why I think like things were still continuing to happen and I was still continuing to experience the level and degree of abuse that I was experiencing from him. Um, I didn't see him that weekend. I think it happened on a Friday. So I didn't see him Saturday or Sunday. And obviously my parents were not okay with him staying with us. So after that, you know, he basically came back to the house to grab his stuff. And that was the last time that we lived together. Um, I was thankful that that was it and that I didn't have to live with him. But I also realized like I had just gone through a very traumatic experience with my son. And thankfully, my son is so young that he wouldn't remember. But it was still a lot. You know, it was still a lot. And, you know, you might wonder, like, why didn't you call the police while this was all going on? And there are a couple of reasons. Um, one, my parents had told me not to call the police if anything were to happen uh, because they were aware that we were arguing and they had overheard some of our arguments. And so they said, you know, if there were any problems to 
just go to them and that we would handle it as a family. Of course, the wrong thing to say, but I listened to them because I was like, this is not my home and whatever reason, they don't want the police involved. They're afraid of the police, whatever. I get it. Um, or at least I tried to get it. And so I did not call the police. I was afraid to call the police as well because my son's father had a history of bad run-ins with the police. So I was thinking about, you know, like the fact that he was on probation and I didn't want to add to his case file. I didn't want to get him in more trouble. And, you know, that just shows how messed up the cycle of abuse is, is that I was the one who was getting abused, but I was still thinking about his well-being and how doing something to protect myself would ultimately negatively impact him. And, you know, that's something that I'm sure a lot of other women who have experienced domestic violence can relate to. Um, But it is, you know, it's just like, it's messed up because I really shouldn't have had to think about that and I shouldn't have had to be afraid to do something to um, protect myself and protect my son ultimately. Um, But I was thankful that nothing worse happened. And I think it was a couple of days before I really felt the full impact of just what had happened and how how much it had impacted me because I really, I kind of just kept going after it happened. I just kept going as if life, as if it hadn't happened, as if life was just normal again. And I was like, no, like that was a very scary moment in my life. And I didn't allow myself to process it until later. And that's when I felt the full impact. And I was like, I was a wreck. I was a mess for a couple of days. And um, I cried. I did cry because I knew that the relationship was irreparable from that point. It was beyond irreparable. And um, the wounds, you know, there were so many wounds, new fresh wounds that were deep now that I was like, man, how... How am I going to recover from this? You know, how am I going to be able to get to a point where I can trust another man again, where I can open myself up to love again, where I can be in the healthy relationship, healthy and loving relationship that I deserve? Like there was just so much pain, so much hurt because I was like, I didn't deserve any of it. You know, especially coming from him, I thought about all the times that I had been there for him, helped him through, you know, difficult times in his life. And for it to all come to this moment, I was just like, it was hard. And then to realize, like, man, I have to co-parent with this person, like this very toxic person. I still have to co-parent with them. I still have to see them. And it was very hard. Um not to also like hate this person because it was like you did all this really messed up stuff you abused me and I still have to deal with you and so I was mad at God too like why did this happen to me why did I have to be in the situation why couldn't I just have like a normal life you know and um 
lots of questions, lots of feelings to sort through. Thankfully, I was in therapy, so I had a space where I could at least begin the process of healing. But I was very thankful that at least now, like, I could start to get parts of myself back and also parts of my life back because he wasn't living with us. So now it's like, okay, I have my space again. I have my car again. I don't have to walk around on eggshells. I don't have to be around this negative person, this negative energy, this toxicity. Like I can think for myself and, and be myself, be more comfortable again. And, um, you know, there were just a lot of things that I, I realized eventually that I could start to do that I hadn't done in so long, so, so long. And so, um, yeah, that is this episode, y'all. I hope that I wasn't too all over the place and that you took something important away Um from sharing this. I mean, it's it's not easy for me to talk about this, especially this escalation incident that happened because it was very traumatic and I'm in a much much better place now, but like I still I still have wounds. I still have wounds that I have to heal from this relationship that I experienced with my son's father. And so um the journey continues, you know. I feel like Having this podcast is helping me to heal and I really hope that this, me sharing my experience, like my fellow black single moms out there, if you've been in that kind of situation before, that you'll also share your story. Like I think that is a crucial part of healing and I think in helping other people share their stories and giving other people a voice or a platform to share their stories, like you aid in your own healing as well. And you realize like, this is a crisis that is affecting and impacting a lot of black moms and a lot of black women, unfortunately. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that way, you know, that we can do something about it. And so I would love to hear your stories and your experiences. And also would love to hear how you are healing and how you are, um, getting back to yourself and building a life that you love. So thank y'all so much for tuning in and I'll catch y'all in the next episode. Peace.